Brothers and sirs, we are to concern ourselves with the science of mysticism. If the mystical state is a reality, if it is not an illusion, then it is possible of analysis. Such an analysis or examination of the elements of mysticism constitutes its science. The first step in this science of mysticism is concentration. Concentration, when applied to the mind, has reference to the attitude of attention. When we concentrate on anything, whether our concentration is visual or auditory, we are focusing our attention upon the stimulus received through that particular sense. When you are now listening to my voice, you are focusing your consciousness through your sense of hearing upon the auditory stimulus of the sound of my words. We may think of concentration, that is, attention, as being like a flashlight or electric torch. The light of the torch is our consciousness. When we want to become attentive, we focus that torch upon some particular object so that it is visually more prominent to us than anything else. Attention may be voluntary or involuntary. Look at the light fixture in the room in which you are seated. You have voluntarily focused your attention upon it. There is also involuntary attention. A sudden loud noise, such as you have just heard, is an example of involuntary attention. The stimulus aroused attention without your will. An unexpected flashing of a brilliant light will do the same. The impact of the stimulus is so great that you involuntarily focus your attention in the direction from which it comes. Voluntary attention comes from within. It is aroused by the desire to focus attention upon a certain group or kind of vibrations. Involuntary attention is primarily external. The stimulus acts upon us from without and commands the focusing of attention. In our Rosicrucian teachings, we hold with the general psychological opinion that we cannot be conscious of two separate sets of impressions simultaneously. We are conscious of but one stimulus at a time. This may not seem so because we may oscillate our attention rapidly from one stimulus to another. Let us try an experiment. Look at some complex object in your room, like a set of books, the wallpaper pattern, or perhaps the details of construction of a piece of furniture. Ready now? Select the object, 
When I say begin, try to describe to yourself the object. At the same time, try to listen to what you hear. Begin now. One, two, three. Hear my voice? Do you hear my voice? Listen. Listen. Two, three, one, listen. What am I saying? It may have seemed that you were able to describe to yourself the object upon which your attention was focused and at the same time were focusing your attention upon the sound of my voice and the gong. Actually, however, your consciousness was alternating, though very rapidly, from one set of impressions to the other. There were gaps in your consciousness during which time you were not aware at all of any impressions. This, of course, you did not realize because those intervals were very slight. Complex objects, whose nature is such that it cannot be grasped as a whole at once, are divided by us into two or more points of attention. We only think that we are concentrating upon the whole complex object at one time. The side of your room is undoubtedly composed of many objects. There is the wall, the paper or painting on it, the particular color and pattern. There is the height of it, perhaps pictures, windows, draperies. And there may even be minor blemishes upon the surface. Now look at a side of your room. Try to see it in its entirety. Your attention fluctuated from one part of that side of the room, that is, from one object to another. Your impressions were not received as a unit. Now look at another side of the room and notice such an effect in your concentration. The reason for this shifting of your attention, even though rapid, was due to a conflicting of impressions being received by you. One object was more intriguing than another, or a little more difficult to grasp, and as a consequence held your attention. Now, from this, a lesson in concentration is to be gained. Do not concentrate upon objects or conditions which are diverse, if it is possible to avoid doing so. If this is not done, your attention will be divided. Each time you are to read or study a monograph or book, first glance through it. Let your attention at that time be focused upon all those elements which are, for the moment, the most commanding. These may be pictures, illustrations, or the cover design. When these become familiar to you, 
after you have looked at them sufficiently long to satisfy your interest, then focus your attention, your concentration, upon the text. There will not then be that diversity of appeal to distract your attention. Concentration and visualization are related. Visualizing is the holding of a visual image in mind. It is the focusing of your consciousness upon a mental picture. A mental picture, like an objective one, may consist of many elements or parts. The visual picture must be gradually created in the mind. Rarely can it be grasped in its entirety. The pieces have to be put together. Now, I'm going to give you an exercise that will aid in visualizing, which is so essential to mental creating. Close your eyes and visualize a group of three small dots arranged in a horizontal line. Their size is not important. Visualize them as being one-half inch apart. Do you see them? Close your eyes. Look upon the screen of consciousness. Now, visualize a single dot as being about two inches from that group of three and along the same horizontal line. Do you see that? Do you see its relationship of the single dot to the other three dots? Now, one step farther. Visualize another group of three dots lying beyond the single one. Wait now. Keep all seven dots in your mental picture at one time. Now, dismiss from your consciousness the horizontal line of dots. We will now visualize a square of three dots to a side. Your mental picture must be complete. It must not just consist of parts of that square. You must be able to mentally see the four sides of the square, each side consisting of three dots. With practice, you can do this with ease, and you will even be able to add more dots and put them into different arrangements. Try this visualization exercise at least once daily. It will help you in forming mental images so necessary for mental creation. Do you find that at certain times you can study and memorize more easily? You are right. There are times when you can. Many factors contribute to your concentration success. In what environment have you been most successful? If noises distract you, if they compete for the focus of your attention, then seek comparative silence. If your environment is one that has a certain level of extraneous sounds or noises,
such as automobiles, buses, and traffic noises, then actually you will find silence distracting. Yes, the contrast of silence can be so dominant if one is accustomed to certain noises that it will interfere with his concentration. What is your environment at present? Is it a customary one? If not, you may find your concentration difficult. What are your emotions when you are obliged to concentrate? Or have you little or no emotional response to the object of your attention? An emotional state, as an external stimulus, it would seem, provides the necessary energy for the focusing of attention. It provides the fluctuating or shifting of the attention to a great extent. Try this further exercise whenever you are about to concentrate. Ask yourself, what is my emotional response to the object of my attention? Does it definitely arouse my curiosity or hate, love, wonder? If it does not, your concentration is likely to wane. Remember that you must want to concentrate, to focus your attention, because it will gratify your mental curiosity or because you have the desire to know. If you do not have this kind of response, you will not retain as a memory impression what you are concentrating upon. Just ask yourself when you are concentrating, what do I feel as a result? Am I aroused in any way? If not, the stimulus will leave no lasting impression upon your memory. Contemplation is another voluntary use of our consciousness. It is the reflective process of consciousness. It is an act of consciousness within the mind rather than a responsiveness to impressions outside the mind. Contemplation is definitely distinguished from the faculty of perceiving. It is not the focusing of our attention on impressions that come to our eyes or other sense organs. When we contemplate, as in concentration, it is true that we focus our attention. However, we are selecting from memory some idea placed there from former impressions of our senses. The idea which we contemplate may have been experienced previously as something seen or heard. By will, we cause this idea from memory to be isolated in consciousness, to stand apart from all other things. When we contemplate, our reflective process of consciousness is very acute, and we are aware of nothing else. For analogy, contemplation turns the searchlight of consciousness away from external impressions, away from the outside world, and introverting it turns it in on our recollections and reason only. 
The advantages of contemplation are tremendous to us. Contemplation permits judgment and the evaluation of experience. Thus we are able to analyze the worth of the impressions which we have received and the value of our particular ideas. The thinker is one who uses what he has collected through experience by analyzing and evaluating it, by scrutinizing it. Contemplation also stimulates our imagination. The imagination suggests ways in which the ideas may be extended and joined together so as to become a greater structure of thought. It is one of the creative processes of mind. Contemplation, the dwelling on inspirational ideas or noble concepts, no matter how pleasing they may be or how true they may appear, is nevertheless not a mystical state. Holding the thought, a term one often hears, in fact it has become a rather trite metaphysical phrase, wrongly implies to many neophytes and beginning students a form of very important mystical procedure. Focusing the attention on a thought or holding it is, after all, still a form of concentration. As such, it is nothing more than the method of arresting the consciousness, holding it fast to a single idea. It continues to limit the consciousness to a single phase of activity to objectivity. Let us now try an exercise in contemplation. Close your eyes, relax, and try to recall some event of the past week that was most satisfying to you. Ask yourself why the event was satisfying. What factors about it induced the enjoyment? Can they be repeated or similar ones performed? By this means, contemplation conferred a power upon our ideas or allows us to extract from them the full force of their content. Each day, repeat this exercise. Bring to the fore of your consciousness experiences you have had. Figuratively, turn them around in your mind. Determine from a review of them what relationship they may have to your future acts, things to be done tomorrow, next month, or next year. Contemplation, as you will note, is definitely a form of concentration, but it is of a subjective nature. It is concerned with internal rather than external impressions. Now let us continue with the other side of this record.